Let's listen together to God's holy and infallible word at the beginning of Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And then verse 10, and 10 through 14 is our focus. It's our text this morning. Jesus continues, See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. I'm calling this sermon the parable of the wandering sheep, even though most Bibles call it the parable of the lost sheep, just like a very similar, similar parable in Luke 15. And there's a reason for that. The tendency when we think about the lost sheep and the parable of the lost sheep is to think of the lost ones who are outside the fold. But it seems that Jesus would sometimes use similar parables in different ways. And that appears to be the case here in Luke and then here in Matthew 18. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, have the same central message. They're pointing us to Jesus and our need for him, and especially bringing us to his saving work, his death and resurrection. But the Gospels often emphasize different things along the way of that main message. And most of the time, We know this parable and we see it through the eyes of Luke. But if we do that today, we're going to miss Matthew's very unique and special focus and message. In Luke, where we normally read this parable, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and those were the religious leaders of God's people in Jesus' day, who had gotten very far off track with their teachings and their focus. Well, these religious leaders were muttering in Luke now, this man, Jesus, is welcoming sinners and eats with them. They hated the fact that Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes and other sinners in Jesus' day. And and so Jesus explains to them why he's doing that with the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, 
and the lost son in Luke 15. The parable of the lost sheep in Luke is that Jesus came to reach the lost sheep outside the fold, those who aren't part of God's people yet, not just the ones who are safely in the fold. He came to reach sinners, in other words. And this really fits with the Gospel Luke's evangelistic and missionary focus, especially as he looks ahead to his second book, which is called Acts. And that's the history of the early church and tells us all about Paul's missionary journeys. In Matthew, we have a similar parable story with the message from Jesus, similar content, but Jesus is not talking to the Pharisees here. He's talking to his disciples, and he seems to be talking about those already part of the kingdom of heaven, part of the people of God, people in the church, in a sense. This is a parable about those who are wandering in the fold. In other words, people in the church, but lost or wandering, which is something to think about, right? Have you ever thought about that? We think of the lost out there, but it's possible to get lost or at least least be at a loss in the church. It's possible. And I want to ask and answer several questions to help us understand uh, this important truth that Jesus is teaching us in Matthew, that he cares for the sheep who get lost in the fold. First of all, who gets lost in the fold? And how do you get lost in the fold? How is it possible to wander in the church? I think there are several ways. I think there are several types of people who can wander in the church. First of all, those who haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Just because you're in the church doesn't mean you're magically and automatically saved. It's possible to assume you're saved and everything's good between you and God because, say, your parents or grandparents are believers, because you come to worship, because you sit in the pew and sing songs and listen to sermons, because you're on the rolls of the church or in the directory, you can be here all the time and still not know Jesus, still not have accepted him in your heart, you can be lost in the church. Another possibility is to be wandering, uh, to use the word our parable uses. There are those who are wandering in sin. You can be part of the church and baptized. Can you put up the ne- Oh, I didn't provide that. Sorry, Mary. My bad. Um, You can be part of the church and baptized, and you can even have made profession of faith, but uh, be wandering in your life from the path of life. Be wandering in sin, and you can get lost in the church in that sense. Who else can get lost in the fold? Well, I think you can get lost in the midst of suffering, going through hard times, 
Maybe you're going through cancer treatments or have, or dealing with other significant health issues, and your mind and body and emotions are weak. You're just being crushed. And, and you're wondering, because of your struggles, what God is doing in your life. And I have to say, I've been lost in a sense. I've been at a loss at times in my life, and, and I, I bet you have too. Or, or maybe you're at a loss because you've lost a loved one, or you're puzzled about what God is doing in your life. You're doubting, you're questioning God, and as a result are wandering. You're not feeling in your life the care and the presence of the good shepherd because you've had so many trials. There's distance in your walk and in your relationship with your Father in heaven. Or maybe you've had it before that you're not sensing your purpose as a Christian right now. You can get lost in the sense of being at a loss in life. There's, a, there's one other way I can think of to be lost in the church, and that's when others in the church don't notice you, ignore you. Maybe you're quiet, maybe you're an introvert, you're not a leader, maybe you're not economically well off, maybe you're disabled, maybe you're not someone with all kinds of obvious talents like others you see around or you're different from most of the others. Maybe you feel like uh, your background is different from most of the people in the church. You feel alone. You don't feel part of things. Maybe it's that you're younger and you don't feel like the church involves you. Maybe it's that you're older and you feel the church is ignoring you or passing you by. It can happen in many ways that people in the church feel lost. Like you don't matter. In the parable, the man owning the flock of a hundred sheep who seeks the wandering sheep is Jesus. And we're being told that he cares for the one in the flock who is wandering. The main focus of of this, this parable is that Jesus cares about you this morning If you're a sheep who is lost or wandering or you're feeling lost or you're at a loss in your life. A second question, and that is, how much does Jesus, if Jesus cares, how much does he care? Well, the short answer is he cares a whole lot. Um, And the end of verse 10 gets at this, which is a very strange verse. It illustrates, though, and it tells us how much Jesus cares for the wandering sheep. This is what that verse says. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Their angels refers to the little ones that Jesus has talked about in our verses. And here he's referring to his children, his people, his sheep. Their angels, this verse is sometimes taken to mean, and I think the Catholic Church especially does this, they take this verse to mean that every Christian has a guardian angel. 
that God assigns a special angel to care for each one of us. That's a neat idea, but there's nothing else in the Bible that would indicate that each one of us has a guardian angel. Of course, there are a number of other places in Scripture that talk about angels. Psalm 91 is, is a famous one. It says that God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? And, and so angels are here to protect us. They're there to serve us. But you notice in Psalm 91, in Hebrews 1, and in our verses, it's angels with an S. And so that would indicate that we've got more than one angel watching us. God cares for us so much that he does a whole lot better than a guardian angel. It's more like an army of angels, or maybe you'd want to call it a posse of angels to protect us. Imagine that you've got that. You don't just have a guardian angel. You have many angels, and all God's people do, protecting us, says God's word. And that's what this verse is getting at. Jesus also says these angels live in the very presence of God. So these celestial, powerful beings, perhaps, we don't know exactly what they look like, but perhaps a glow with, by being in the very presence of Almighty God are sent to care for each one of God's children. That's how much Jesus cares for you and for all his people, including the wandering ones, including the lost ones, including if you're feeling at a loss. And there's an even bigger and more amazing way that tells us how much Jesus cares for the wandering sheep. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible shows us that Jesus accepted the task the Father had for him to save his people from their sins, to save the struggling, wandering, lost sheep. He humbled himself to assume human flesh. He left the glories of heaven behind to walk those ancient, dusty roads and live in the midst of our sin and darkness. Then he suffered that gruesome death on a cross so that all who call on his name might enter the kingdom of heaven. If you ever wonder whether Jesus cares for you, his lamb, you just need to look to that cross and be reminded that he does care for you. And that's exactly how much. If he went through that, death on a cross for you, he won't fail you in trials. He won't fail you in the times you feel lost, that you've lost your purpose, and even sin and the devil won't be able to harm you. What does the Lord want from us in response to this parable? That's another question. And the short answer is he wants us to care for every single sheep in the fold, because he loves and cares for each one of his sheep in the fold. 
It's important to notice that this parable, and that's why I read the first verses of 18, comes in response to the disciples' question to Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They were not thinking about other sheep in Jesus' fold. They were thinking about themselves. They saw Jesus doing miracles, the crowds gathering, and what's behind this question is they were positioning themselves uh, to be the top dog, to be Jesus' right-hand man in his coming kingdom. And we, God's people, like the disciples back then, can tend to focus on ourselves, focus the wrong way when we think of the church and the fold and the sheep there. We can focus on the powerful beautiful, the wealthy, like the disciples, we can focus on who we think is best, who we think is closest to Jesus, who's the most spiritual person in the church, who volunteers the most, who has the most gifts and uses them. Jesus says most of what he does in our verses to straighten out the disciples. And he says it to straighten out you and me today when we focus on ourselves, the strong, and when we ignore the lost, when we ignore those weak in faith and those struggling. Jesus starts by pointing out a little child, and he says, this is what it's about, the least of these. And back then, of course, children really had no rights. Women in society were very, very low on the totem pole, and and children were even lower than that. Jesus then refers to these little ones a few times, and little ones doesn't just refer to children, but it does include children. And so we ask ourselves, the flock at Faith CRC, are we welcoming the little children? Do we instruct our kids in the faith? And and that's that's primarily a question for, for parents because it's their special responsibility to be discipling their children. Parents, are, are we focused on that, building them up spiritually? I know we're for sure good at carting them off to sports. I know we're really good about taking them and thinking of special uh, little outings or vacations. We're good at planning times in the city or at museums. And we want our kids to be cultured, and it's all fine. But are we focusing them and leading them to the greatest treasure of all that Pastor Matthew preached about last Sunday morning? Jesus and his kingdom. And beyond that, as a church, are we providing for our kids spiritually, catechizing them, teaching them God's word, caring for, valuing our little lambs? How... And whether we're doing this, how and whether we're embracing and welcoming the little ones Jesus talks about, has an effect on their relationship with God. If we're not doing this, if we ignore them, if we look down on the little ones, it can cause them to sin, to wander, to get lost. It applies to all the little ones of the flock, all God's children who are struggling, who are wandering, who are at a loss, who the rest of us 
can tend to ignore and, and leave alone in their struggles. Our attitude toward them, whether we welcome them or not, whether we include them or not, whether we care for them, whether we value the least of these in the church, according to Jesus, will have a very big impact on their life and growth. And that's why he uses such strong language that it would be better if a millstone were hung around their neck and they were drowned in the sea. Um, That's the consequences for failing to seek and care for the lost ones and the wandering ones in the flock. Jesus says, no, I care for all my sheep, not just the ones who stand out or the leaders or those who are noticeable, those who are striking and impressive in the world's eyes. After all, the last shall be first in my kingdom, he says. And so we should have the same focus as Jesus. We're called to seek the wandering ones. And you know what? That brings us great joy as it does to the man, the shepherd, Jesus in the parable, to get them on track, uh, to make them feel loved and cared for, part of the flock. It's not that it's bad uh, to be a leader in the church or to be given many gifts, but it's that we use any strength, any gifts, any position, any power we have to help others to empower others. We come alongside people in the church. And, and helping them is not you know, providing handouts. It's, it's, it's being a servant. It's empowering lost ones to stand on their own two feet spiritually. And even if we think we're doing pretty well at this in the church, maybe we think, well, we're not missing anybody. Um, we're caring for everybody. And, and we're do, I think we're doing well in a lot of ways. I, I think of our cadet program, which works so hard and so well uh, to make disciples. I think of the Shalom Committee we talked about last week. But let's not be afraid to stop and think and evaluate personally as well as the church as a whole how we can do better at caring for every single sheep that's part of this flock. Uh, because we have the same tendency as disciples back then uh, to ignore the wandering ones, to forget them, uh, to focus on ourselves and our own place and our own likes and dislikes. One more question. What about the lost sheep out there? Jesus also certainly does want us to reach the lost sheep who are not part of the flock. Even though that's Luke's primary point in the parable of the lost sheep, um, Matthew doesn't ignore this either. You know, it's Matthew, after all, who gives us the Great Commission in chapter 28, where Jesus says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. We're called to seek the lost outside the flock, too. That's our mission. How do we make disciples? Well, by seeking and caring for the lost sheep in our neighborhoods, at work. We do that, the church does that by creating more flocks, more folds, more churches everywhere around the world by looking out for little ones wherever they are. By having kingdom values, 
by listening to Jesus when he reprimands the disciples for talking about and arguing about who's the greatest and instead being sure we're on track for caring for and equipping and empowering others with the gifts and resources God has given us. And that all brings us great joy, as it does the shepherd in the parable. A sheepfold that has this kingdom vision will be full of joy as well. May God grant that vision, that care, that joy, even to faith CRC. Amen.